Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, Down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe they're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, we are raring to go this morning, 11.05 a.m. Eastern Time, Sunday, March 20th. Thank you for checking in on the audio or video side for what is episode 341 of the Anakin Florian podcast. We got a lot to get to. It was one of the biggest nights for the UFC ever, never mind in London, England. Um, But I'm just happy to be in one piece, Ken Flo. I was driving the minivan yesterday, and uh, Florida man with no teeth runs red light, and next thing you know, three airbags deploy. None of my children were in the vehicle, thankfully. We had dropped them at grandma's for an hour. But I am a little shook today, so I can't bury the lead. I have to at least talk to my friend about this car accident because – I got to shout out the airbags that just really, really work. You know, I don't know if you've ever been blasted by an airbag, um, but it it's hot as hell. You know, it's a violent smell and sort of thing that happens. It smells like smoke, um, but it feels like it saves your life. You know, basically, I was right. at a four way intersection. I was going through a green light and this Florida man. Uh, it's awful to say it that way. Um, but as he put it, you know, he was going to turn right on red, but then at the last minute he decided he was going to go to home Depot, uh, and go straight. And the poor guy, he owned it. You know, I thought he should have been a little bit more apologetic. My wife thought he was fine. Um, but yeah, man, I'm a little bit shook, you know? Um, so he admitted fault and, uh, my minivan is totaled and, um, I don't know. Like, it feels like we're mourning our minivan, which probably sounds silly. Like, a lot of people say you never should be driving a minivan to begin with, even though the Honda Odyssey airbag certainly held up. But, like, you know, you have a lot of memories with your kids in that car. We've talked about on the air. My daughter engraved her name with a rock on the side of it when it was, like, a week old or new, I should say. You know, so, like, you have a lot of family memories in the car. Um, But, yeah, a little shook after what happened yesterday, you know. Wait, so, okay, so you sent me the video. This is the first time I'm hearing the story, but you sent me the video all – like the whole inside of the car looked like balloons everywhere. Yeah. Uh, where did he hit you? Did he hit you on your side? Like Right on the driver's and- side, and okay, I was driving. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm fine. I mean, a little uh, a little bruise on the arm, and it was burned, but I'm fine. I mean, wow. I'm, I'm fine. You know, I think just a little shook by the whole thing. And uh, what's crazy about it is that I have an identical twin brother who had a mirror image car accident like this just three weeks ago. So literally, Flo, I'm, I'm approaching this four-way intersection with like an abundance of caution to begin with because – 
of what happened just a yeah. few weeks ago. So if you don't believe in the twin thing and the connection, perhaps this can be submitted as evidence. But just crazy. crazy, you know, a few weeks after picking him up on the side of the road, you know, his wife's coming to pick me up. Minivans totaled. Um, wow. But yeah, I mean, can't speak highly enough of the Honda and the airbags across the board, um, you know, came right into the car seats. But obviously there were no kids in the car seats. And um, we weren't going that fast, thankfully. I was able to see it and kind of like move off to the right at the last minute. But uh yeah, sort of uh, going to get off the air and literally go try to find a motor vehicle for my kids because I'm going to Columbus in a few days. But Wow. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Glad you're okay, dude. That's Thank the most you, buddy. important and thing. Glad really wasn't one of your, and glad it wasn't one of your wife. Yeah. And, you know, glad it wasn't one of Ken Flo's nicer cars down there. <laughs> <laughs> but the real lead today in headlines is Tommy fucking Aspinall. And certainly we could lead the dance with Patty Pimblett uh, or Arnold Allen, who might just be the best fighter out of this group when all is said and done. Uh, but Tom Aspinall is a bona fide heavyweight contender, Ken Flo. I don't much care for the number 11 next to his name. It might as well be a four as far as I'm concerned. Huge win for the heavyweight contender. And uh, just want your thoughts on how he handled what was a very quick fight, the fight week, the pressure spot, and uh, emerging as, as a true star, I think, after what happened last night. Huge win, tremendous performance against a guy who had a lot more experience than him. Um, and when you factor in the fact that, you know, we were unsure of how he was going to perform with all this pressure, fighting in London, um, you know, five-round main event, all eyes on him, all the lead-up, you know, which a lot of people don't realize is you do way more interviews, you do way more media when you're leading up to a main event and you're a part of it. Right. So it just you get the same questions. It's very easy uh, for that to become a lot bigger than it is or for you to make it a lot bigger than it is and to put a lot of pressure on yourself and your team, all that stuff. So the fact that he was able to respond like he did and to perform like he did is a great sign because uh, physically, technically, he had a tremendous amount of potential. I think he realized that last night looked phenomenal. Um, and athletically, he's going to be a problem for everyone in that division. He moves so well for a big guy, uh, very athletic, very agile, uh, how he's able to move in and move out, and that was exactly what he needed to do against Volkov, who is absolutely massive. He used his speed, his agility, got in, got out, mixed it all up. We saw the full gamut of his um, mixed martial arts arsenal, and uh, just too much skill for Volkov. Awesome. So you picked Tom Aspinall to win. He was a slight underdog when we taped our show. We taped it five or six days before they actually fought. He closed as the betting favorite, but obviously you like the matchup for him. Certainly felt like he was closer to his fighting prime that he hasn't even arrived at probably um, relative to Alexander Volkov, but huge, huge win for Tom Aspinall. And, you know, some, I don't know what exactly you prove. I guess when I'm handicapping this fight, I'm thinking, man, you know, unlike Curtis Blades, with all due respect, if Tom Aspinall gets Alexander Volkov down, I mean, he'll take your arm, he'll choke you out. I mean, the guy is a really good grappler. And we talk on this show so much about finishing instincts and submission offense. I am really, really encouraged by Tom Aspinall. Um, he called for a fight with Ty Tuivasa, who is number four, uh, or number three in the world right now after beating Derek Lewis. It would seem to me that Aspinall is in line for another main event. You know they like to headline heavyweights a lot. Uh, your thoughts on what lies ahead, the ceiling for Tom Aspinall, and whether or not you uh, have an appetite for a next fight against Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa. Yeah, it, it sounds weird, right? Uh, but I would have liked to see him go a little bit longer for him, for his career, to get a little bit more experience. But uh, e either way, uh, he looked phenomenal. He was just that much better than Volkov. Now, what is ahead for him? 
I don't know. I, I think he's ready for those, you know, certainly the top six or seven guys in the world. Uh, absolutely. I think he's ready for that. I think he's one of the few guys, uh, when you look at the top three or four, as far as their athleticism, I think he can match uh, a lot of what they bring. I'm not sure he brings the same kind of power, but he brings that same kind of agility. Um, so I think he's ready. I, I think anyone in the top six, I, I think, makes a whole lot of sense for him. So if you're sending any welterweight in the world into the octagon to try to beat Kamaru Usman, I guess that you might send Hamza Chimaev in there right now. Now, I could be wrong. If Tom Aspinall had gone seven or eight minutes with Alexander Volkov last night, to your point, been extended a little bit, showed himself in the striking realm against his toughest opponent to date, and then, you know, took him down and, and submitted him. Perhaps mm-hmm. people think that the ceiling is even higher on Tom Aspinall. I would just submit to you that if I'm sending a heavyweight in there right now to beat Francis Ngannou, as I look at the top seven or eight, and certainly Aspinall doesn't reside there, I'm not sure there's a heavyweight I'm sending in there over than Tom Aspinall right now. And you can call it recency bias. You can say, I just watched the Aspinall fight last night. Certainly, Stipe is the first guy that comes to mind. The other guys ranked above him, Sirogan, Taitu Ivasa, Curtis Blades, uh, Derek Lu- Lewis, Volkov, Rosenstrike, Dawkins, Marcin Tabora. And we can't forget about John Jones, right? Who's supposedly in that conversation as far as I don't know what's going to happen with him, but that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. So Dana White has said an interim championship is likely in the heavyweight division. And I tweeted this morning, what an opportunity now for, for Curtis Blades and for Chris Dawkins coming up in seven days. You know, I love the back-to-back heavyweight main events, but I don't know. That's just sort of where I'm at with Tom Aspinall. I think he's maybe one title eliminator away against a Tui Vasa type, and he's going to be staring at a championship opportunity. It's crazy. Like, DraftKings released odds on who would be the UFC heavyweight champion at the end of 2022, and I think Aspinall was like 55-1. to 1. And, you wow. know, not out of the realm of possibility that come December, this guy closes out the year in a heavyweight championship fight. Interesting. Oh, listen, what about, you know, the, the winner of Blades and Dawkins would be interesting as well. Um, but yeah, I think he is, yeah, about one or one, one or two away, maybe one away from that conversation. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited about this kid and, and everyone in uh, in England should be excited about him. I think he showed, I think what we were all expecting and Volkov is a guy who's not an easy guy to take out. And he's one of the guys that can go out there and submit uh, someone like a Francis Ngannou. If he's able to put him on his back, I, I think he's good enough to, to use his submission skills. Striking-wise, I, I don't think yeah. he want to trade with Ngannou, but on the ground, uh, I think he could pose some serious problems for all those guys in the top three or four. So Francis Ngannou just came out of surgery. We, we wish him all the best. He's going to end 2022 as the UFC undisputed heavyweight champion because he's not going to compete again this year. I would not think. Um, But yeah, I think you're going to have an interim championship fight at some point in time in terms of Aspinall's submission ability. I mean, is, is he the best offensive jujitsu guy right now in that top 10? Is there somebody that I'm forgetting? I mean, he certainly has a nose for it. He's certainly active as far as his pursuit of these submission wins. Um, But I don't know that there's anybody in that top 10 that is as much a submission threat as he is. You know, I mean, Dawkins may be a Will Martinez Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but he's not instinctually a submission guy on the ground the way, you know, I mean, Tom Aspinall is a grappling coach. Right. And based on what we've seen, I think that's accurate, John. I think he's probably the best submission guy in the heavyweight division. Um, And, uh, yeah, I, I think he poses a lot of problems on the ground. We haven't seen too much of him on his back. I think he would still be 
probably pretty dangerous there in the heavyweight division, but he gets top position on a lot of these heavyweights, man. He's probably going to take you out with a sub. All right, well, congratulations to Tommy Aspinall. I mean, can I call you Tommy? What a stud. What a performance. And it's amazing that after all the performances that preceded his, that he could actually somehow have topped them all, in my opinion, in a short amount of time. Uh, all hail Tom Aspinall here on a Sunday on the Anakin Florian podcast. How about the atmosphere, by the way, Ken Flo? Oof. Not a bad take there in London, England for fight fans. It was awesome, man. Uh, it was reminding me of when I was there uh, calling fights and watching fights. And uh, it, it's great to see an international event. It, it's been so – when's the last time we had an international event uh, in the UFC? Well, with full fans, it had been a long time. Last right. event in London was Masvidal yeah. and Darren Till, which literally for a lot of people is like two or three children ago. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. So, yeah, no, it was great to see, man. The energy in the UK is always amazing when there's fights. Uh, and it reminded me of when you and I were over there, Nottingham and yeah. all the other yep. the, the events that we called. But, um, yeah, just a special event, man, and, and great for the England fans. And uh, what a night they had. I mean, a, a lot of great performances from uh, the UK bunch, huh? Yeah, we will get to the next one. It was like three years of pent up volume that the fans sort of let out at the O2. Uh, very special night. All right, so, you know, Faraz Sahabi is a guy that a lot of people put on a pedestal as a coach and, and an MMA mind, and rightfully so. Obviously, he was your chief corner for your retirement fight against Jose Aldo in 2011. And he's been close with a couple fighters and maybe has had other guys who have underachieved recently and not reached the level that he thought they would get to. He's got one here in Arnold Allen. And I thought it was just shades of Zahabi, just the patience and the willingness to let the finish materialize. Masterpiece from Arnold Allen. There's a lot of headlines on the Dan Hooker side as well. But Arnold Allen remains a featherweight stud, perfect in the UFC. And, uh, you know, his time is coming. I know there's going to be a couple more fights, I think, before he gets to that championship precipice. But anybody who doubted Arnold Allen in terms of his credentials, here's your signature win. Listen, uh, I thought it was going to be a great fight. I, I picked Hooker. I, I thought he was going to be able to use his length really well. That was not the case. Arnold Allen was able to get on the inside and land those combinations and hurt Hooker very early in that fight and never really allowed him to get anything going, which I thought was brilliant. But all the while, I, I thought that uh, you know there were some dangerous times for sure. But Arnold Allen is a fighter. Like he 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 wants to go out there and destroy people's faces, right? I, we, I think we've heard the story about him uh, in a street altercation where he I, he's knocked out. I don't know if you've heard the story, but he knocked yeah. out like a bunch of men anyway uh, in England. But uh, yeah, so he, he's a beast, and I think he's the kind of guy that you kind of need to control a little bit, have that fire within him, give him the technical pointers, control that aggression, and then. Uh, let let it unleash once he hurts his opponent, and that's exactly what he did. Um, I, I thought it was the biggest win of his career. Um, a lot of people over at TriStar have been talking about Arnold Allen for a very long time. Long time, yeah. And uh, I, I think that he's well on his way to uh, becoming a, a true elite in that division, no question. Coming out to We Will Rock You, too. I mean, he's just an original, right? Yeah. He he seems to me to be an old soul. I'm just looking at his UFC resume, and I should have done this before the show. Instead, I was looking at fucking certified pre-owned vehicles on the <laughs> Internet. Um, 
fought once in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. He fought a couple times, just once in 2020, once in 2021. Yeah, so he hasn't fought all that often, despite being on the roster for a long time. Was 9-1 and when he signed with the UFC. Now he's 18-1, and 9-0 in the UFC. And, uh, Amazing. You know, I think it's going to be a main event. Uh, he called for a fight against Calvin Cater. I think, again, a lot of these guys getting that five-round showcase makes a lot of sense. I would do Cater and Arnold Allen right now. I don't know what's going to happen with Josh Emmett. You know, I think that fight makes some sense as well. I kind of would like to see Josh Emmett get a championship opportunity because of his age and because of his injury history. But obviously, the Korean Zombie is getting the shot against Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway is lurking. Um, but I'm really excited about Arnold Allen and England really should be. You know, I mean... I talk about having a recency bias for what happened last night. Like, I think we, we should probably stop and acknowledge, like, the Canadian mixed martial arts crowds who are probably watching everybody heap praise upon the Brits and thinking, like, do you know how loud we are per capita? Do you all forget? So shout out to all of you Canadians. We understand how loud you are as well. Um, but what a night for England. And it's not just like Patty Pimblett, who might be number 31 in the world right now at lightweight. I mean, Arnold Allen and Tom Aspinall could both be champions two years from now. You know, we've had one English champion in UFC history, if I'm mistaken, you know. Right. And it, it wasn't just about getting the W. It, it goes beyond that. It was the performance that they had in the way that they got it done. These were finishes, dramatic finishes, dramatic fights. Uh, so, yeah, well, I mean, what, what, what a crowd and uh, what a treat they got. All right. So big fight next, of course, for Arnold Allen. Um, on the other side, what do you make of, uh, of Dan Hooker in defeat? This was tough. I um I thought he looked pretty good on the scale. To me, he looked healthy. Um, but I don't know. At what the start of that fight, he he just didn't quite look right. Um, I don't know. I, I think the choice in in how he approached that fight uh, wasn't ideal. So I think there there were certainly some technical mistakes made, or maybe tactical mistakes made. I should say that might be more accurate. Um, but um. Yeah, I don't think 145 is for him. I, I definitely noticed a difference when I'm at 145 in my ability to uh, expend energy, to be strong, to withstand uh, certain blows. Um, I, I think it definitely affects a fighter. And someone as tall as Dan Hooker and someone who's been as, in as many fights as he had and the type of fights that he has had, I thought – might have been the wrong choice and it's easy for me to say that now right right uh, but he's certainly more of a 155er than he is a 145er and, and yeah. sometimes you do that to reset right i um, mr kenny over here right, i did right. that a few times uh going down to 145 but um sometimes you don't know you know and, and he's fought at 145 he started at 145 went to 155 he went back to 145 to try to reset things um and uh i i think it's time for him to go back to 155 be a little healthier um and uh have his body and, and brain recover a little bit better as well i just think he has asked a lot of himself with all of the travel to and from new zealand oh, and las vegas crazy. and in quarantine away from his kids and in abu dhabi i mean that dude has been through it and has obviously been a promotional workhorse as we like to say but i think it stands to reason that he could use some time off. He was eight and four as a lightweight and was very competitive there. Mm -hmm. 
decided to push the reset button. I'm aligned with you. I would like to see him go back to lightweight. I mean, what were you thinking in the locker room after? If you don't know Kenny's fight history, so he dropped down to featherweight because it looked like he could get a championship opportunity with maybe a win or two. You beat Diego Nunes and you get a UFC featherweight championship opportunity. Now, in the third round, Nunes hits you with one shot and it seemed more location than anything else, if memory Mm -hmm. serves. Um, But I guess I'm just curious, like how you felt in the locker room after those 15 minutes in your UFC featherweight weight debut after being a lifelong lightweight um, about how your body held up cardiovascularly, your chin, all of that stuff as it relates to Dan Hook. Yeah, you know, I, I get after the fight, I was okay. It, it wasn't such a, such a big deal after the fight, but the weight cut, um, the process of cutting that weight uh, and then the recovery process and on fight night, you're still not sure how your body's going to feel. Uh, you know, it, it, you just you don't. I never felt 100 percent at 145 pounds for either of those fights against Nunez or uh, against Aldo. You know, I remember, uh, you know, for Nunez, I felt like, um, you know, strength wise, I felt good. Energy wise, I didn't feel great. I didn't feel like I had, um, you know, so much energy to to be confident in my performance. It worked out. I went 15 hard minutes. Uh, and against Aldo, I certainly didn't feel like I had the strength. I mean, my legs were literally cramping up as I was hitting pads for like three minutes. And I yeah, I did yeah. like a five-minute warm-up. Uh, right. And that, that was it because I didn't want to waste right. any more energy. I right. needed to save it for the fight right. uh, to the point where you know, I had his back up against the fence at one point And my arms were cramping up in round one. And I'm like, geez, I still have another 20-some-odd minutes right. Right. to go. So right. these are the kind of things where you're like, ah, you know, you take certain risks – and you hope that it pays off, um, and it doesn't always work out uh, in the fight game, unfortunately, uh, on many different levels and all various forms of combat. You don't know what you don't know, and you try these things experimentally, hoping for the best. Uh, you make your calculations, uh, but a lot of times it, you know, it, it surprises you and doesn't go your way. Uh, so these are some of the things you only know just by doing. Uh, but I do think after this performance, Dan Hooker, his management, his his coaches and team uh, should say, hey, listen, let's just let's get the best out of you. Let's let's get the best out of your physical years at this point. You yeah. had a lot of fights. Let's do 155, maybe even 170. Shit, uh, exactly. You know, he's he's a tall dude. It's not like his frame can't handle it. I think it will take time for him to adjust. But. Uh, say no, no more 145 for me. Uh, that's I don't I know if you remember. You, I think, called his UFC debut in Auckland, New Zealand in 2014. You know, he's competed as high as heavyweight. As yeah, an MMA pro, you know? yeah, 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 and he's got a big frame, and obviously he has history as a featherweight in the UFC prior to moving up to lightweight. So this was a return to the featherweight division uh, for Dan Hooker. I guess you just have a lot of fans trying to sort of piece it together in their minds, and they look at the Felder fight, but really the Dustin Poirier fight for me, June of 2020. Those 25 minutes for Dan Hooker, there's a price to be paid. And he got hit with some absolute bombs. And I think there's something to be said that Arnold Allen just hits like an absolute truck, you know. Um, but Dustin Poirier is the most prolific knockout artist in UFC lightweight history. And Dan Hooker was able to go toe-to-toe to him with, with him largely for, you know, portions of that fight. So it's just uh, – and then, you know, I don't know. I don't know. No, jo- John, you know, I, I think these are all really important uh, points that – a professional fighter, a coach, um, a team, whatever needs to take into consideration, right? Because um, you, you got to look long term. With whatever you're doing, you have to look in the long term. Um, 
are the things that I'm doing now going to be worse off for me later or better off for me later? And, and of course, it's a brutal sport. You got to take all those things into consideration, but you do damage to your body when you're in those kind of fights. And I think it, it it's going to get a lot of people even more over time to look for more efficient ways of getting the win. Um, and, um, you know, some of these wars are, are just things that are, are going to happen no matter what, no matter how technical you are, all that stuff. But um, I, I think defensively, this sport has a lot of work to do uh, and yeah. how they approach it and all that stuff. Because, again, great, you got three awesome fights, but now you're on a five-fight five losing streak and you're getting cut by the organization. Like, was it worth it? Mm, I don't know. Right. No, it, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see where Dan Hooker goes from here. And uh, I have so much respect for him as an athlete and a man so and a father. Tough. And I don't know if he said anything after the fact, but I'll admit to feeling a little bit badly for him uh, on Saturday evening here in South Florida. But Arnold Allen is the man, and I'm excited to see his next fight. Hope I get the chance to call it. All right. Um, Longo coming up here in a few minutes if he answers the call, Cody. Perhaps you can text him. But Patty the Batty Pimblet over Kazula Vargas by Rear Naked Choke at three minutes and 50 seconds of round number one uh beautiful hip toss of course the beginning of the end and uh Pimblet's a grappler by and large I mean he has a lot of skills on the feet a lot of flashy techniques and um I think he's a mixed martial artist by and large but has a grappling background was able to use it in a favorable matchup your thoughts on Pimblet maximizing the showcase largely against Vargas here in London yeah, I think he did. You know, I still think he's got to be really careful with his striking when he does engage. He gets that chin super high. That's still a habit that needs to be addressed. Uh, however, you know, I think this was a great experience for him. He got hit. He got taken down. He was controlled for a little bit. He stayed very composed with all the pressure and all the eyes that were watching him. Uh, and he responded beautifully. He did a great job of getting back to his feet. And, John, as you said, he took over once he hit uh, that that takedown. Um, and we mentioned, you know, he's working a lot with uh, Coach Justin Flores out in San Diego, and that certainly paid off. Beautiful takedown. Got that top position. I ended up taking the back quite easily uh, and, uh, and finished from there. Um, you know, I thought it was a beautiful uh, performance. Once he got on top, it was super clean. Uh, and he just seems to me to be one of those guys that when the lights are shining bright, he shows up and he shows all of his skills. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he, he does. He has that star power. He has that charisma. He's a funny dude. He's a crazy guy. Uh, and he's put on some some awesome performances, man. It just would seem to me, given the global nature of mixed martial arts, that the superstars aren't going to stop. And obviously we talk as broadcasters about trying to humanize the athletes and helping the promotion to build and create superstars. Think about how much this guy gives you to work with. I mean, obviously yeah. the skill set and the entertaining nature of his fights. But as Michael Bisping, I think, eloquently put it on the broadcast, you know, from beginning, middle to end, you know, his ability to promote a fight and say the right things and then the actual fight itself and then the ability to handle a microphone on the back end. Um, yeah. Chips in the center of the table like everybody else on Patty Pimblett. As far as his lightweight ceiling, um, again, at times, I think a lot of the fan base feels like they're looking at a featherweight contender, but he's going to fight at his natural weight class. He still has a weight cut to 55. And if you just l listen to anything we said about Arnold Allen and Dan Hooker, you know, you know, largely this audience is going to promote Patty staying at lightweight. Um, but, you know, I mean, Charles Oliveira is the champion of this weight class right now, you know, so 
I don't know. Wh- what do you think they will do with Pimblet promotionally right now? I mean, he ain't getting Jared Gordon, you know. What do you think they're going to do with Patty Pimblet? <laughs> Take it slow. Take it slow. This is only his second fight in the UFC. Um, Has a bunch of fights outside of the organization, which is great, Um, but still has, you know, some skill development. And he admitted it. You know, he's like, listen, I'm going to be a world champion, uh, but I'm not also, you know, calling out, you know, the guys in the top 10 just yet. So I think he's aware of that. Um, and getting to that level takes time. Getting comfortable in the octagon takes time. Now, while he looks like he is, uh, technically he's got some work to do with his striking, you know, uh, maybe with some of his, his grappling skills as well. Right. So I, I think that, um, you know, getting better, uh, getting more experienced a- as a striker is going to serve him well, continuing to look outside of his base camp in Liverpool is going to be huge for him as far as working his wrestling, working with some of the best strikers in the world, getting that knowledge and mentoring is going to be huge for him and uh, just doing it right. You you have time. Everyone wants to rush people. There's plenty of tough guys at 155. It's probably, you know, one of the toughest divisions uh, in the UFC probably since its inception, right? I mean, the the, the skill level is going to be higher than anywhere else, in my opinion. You know, 170 to 135 now is is insane. Yeah. Um, So take your time. Get the right fights. You know, have your manager get involved. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's going to be crucial for his development. And, and if he does that, we could see him fight for the belt. Absolutely. It's just it's going to take some time. Anything coming from me would just be speculation, not even informed speculation. I don't know exactly what goes on in the matchmaker meetings on Tuesdays. I don't know exactly, despite how close I am to the company, like what promotionally they are thinking when it comes to Patty Pimblett. Obviously, a methodical build, right, in trying to find stylistic challenges that are are doable, but also that can improve him, right? Testing him in certain ways. Like even if you look at Israel Adesanya, you know, Rob Wilkinson attempted like 15 takedown against takedowns against him in his UFC debut, eventually built to the main event against Brad Tavares. You know, maybe Patty, yes. if he can keep winning, get to a main event in four or five fights, you know, go ahead, go ahead. Dude, absolutely. Like Again, look at the Charles Oliveira blueprint. He didn't come in and just start smashing guys straight away. Like, and then when he was, you know, uh, experiencing that volatility early in his career, what did they do? They got him a bunch of, you know, middle of the pack fighters for him to go out and get experience against. Now look, right. look at right. how he was right. able to allow those skills to develop, and now he's an absolute savage. And I don't know if there's anyone out there right now that's going to take that belt. So, right. uh, slow your roll, take your time, get the right. Fights. Look at those kind of guys. Israel Adesanya, even as, for Israel Adesanya, it was very quick, by the way. Uh, but right. for, you know, you look at Oliveira, it, it was just this slow kind of cook all the way up into the championship, uh, you know, ceiling. Well, I just love the total package, right? Like I think a lot of people do. I, I could literally listen to these liverpudlians talk all day i mean i just i feel like i need to switch from man city to liverpool fc i should have just been aligned with my man ken flow all along i know people think i'm a front runner for the manchester city thing and i couldn't even name seven players at this point in time but my younger brother became a big man city fan so i was just supporting the family and supporting the cause i didn't know that you know they were all come on lads i know the red sox connection to liverpool fc as well you know um so 
My initial thought was somebody like Jim Miller for Patty Pimblett, and maybe that would be one okay. or two fights down the line. Now, Cody Merrow's throwing out Patty Pimblett versus Jalen Turner, and my inner monologue that will become out no, is Cody, like, no, 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 lay right no, on. no, tarantula. Jalen's tough, brah. Come on. I mean, not and again, not that we're not that any every fight at 155 pounds is right. tough. All right? right, I would have liked to have seen more resistance from Kazula Vargas on, on the floor. If I'm being honest, okay. If I'm being truly honest, right? Like Cody, you're a great producer. Just don't be a manager at this point. Okay. We need, we need you to get a little more experience. Don't feed him to the tarantula. Come on. Yeah. He's fucking ready lads. (laughs) I really, uh, my dear friend, Joe Silva, I'm, I'm dying to know what he, what direction he would go with Patty Mm. Pimblett. You know, certainly ain't going to be Vince Pichel to fucking take him down and try to ruin (laughs) his day. Um, all right. Plenty more on Patty Pimblett. Coming up, let's get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Yeah. Headphones in the ears. Oh, yeah. Ready. What are we doing? It's great uh, to see you, man. How about Matt, the steamroller frivola for that kid? I think that's a great matchup. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense. As long as Frivola doesn't land one of those punches, then that should be fine for Patty. Is uh, you <laughs> tell Frivola to get on the uh, social media waves and try to uh, get that fight. It worked out for Jared Gordon, did it not? I think we're two steps ahead of you, but uh, that's right. good. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah. I love it. No, that actually that's makes a, a lot fight. of sense. He beats that him everywhere. Well, right, and there you go. And again, but, but, like- but still, it's a it's a guy that you know had a couple of losses. He just got a win. He's back in the win column. Definitely a a, a fair matchup. Um, let's yeah. do it. There's a there's a segment of the fan base. I don't know how big that roots for guys like Conor McGregor and Patty Pimblett and Ian Gary to fall on their face and lose. Right. Even if a lot of it is confidence and not cockiness. Right. I guess for me as a fan. Last night, I just want somebody as tough as Frivola and not to have the fight just, you know, I don't know. The yeah. submission I think, defense, no, I, I think thought it, of, no, I, Vargas I, left a lot I, to be desired. Yeah, I think it's a good fight. First off, holy crap, man. The Brits had a great night, man. The energy and, you know, that's when you have a home field advantage, that's what it's supposed to look like. Like yeah. what those guys did. I mean, tough fights sometimes wasn't going their way. Everybody coming back. I mean... They worked off the energy of that crowd for sure. I mean, it was that was a great, great night, and you could just feel the energy. I think Bisbing's right, man. It's just, something's different when you're fighting there. It's not uh, you know, it's not the normal crowd, you know. So uh what a what a great night of fights, man. It's interesting as an American diehard MMA fan, right? Because right. I find myself having these thoughts, like even Al Jermaine Stewart competing in Jacksonville, Florida. I can't sit here and tell you he's going to have the crowd. I certainly expect he'll have the crowd, and I hope that he'll have the crowd. But what is it about the U.S.? Is it that we're so spread out? Is it that this sport is still in its relative infancy in the U.S., right? That Like, we don't have that nationalistic patriotism or support. And when we do, and we're booing Zhang Wei Li out of the arena, we get criticized for that, too. So Right. Well, two things. Number one, I... I I don't know why, but you're right. Like, like even like a guy like Floyd Mayweather, he never had like the whole U.S. behind him. You know, he had guys right. that couldn't even stand him. Right? It's a right. we're, we're right. just. I think we're uh, 
Right. Ricky Hatton. I was there for Mayweather Hatton. Ricky Hatton had the crowd by a mile in yeah. Floyd's hometown. It's a good example. Uh, I think it's just the way it's part of the way everybody views us like an elitist bunch of snobs, maybe. And then we kind of, you know, I don't know, there's something going on. There. I don't know what it is, but it, it is different. And you're a hundred percent right. Well, I'm like even really, today, sorry to interrupt you, which I rarely yeah. do, but even today, right. The filthy, dirty Americans are talking about themselves after the biggest night in British MMA history. Last yeah, yeah, night, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, um, that, that's it. So. But, but something, uh, it's, <laughs> I think it's something along those lines, but wait, to get to your other point, Aljo, yeah will definitely have the crowd on his side. I guarantee you that. Yeah, who, who are they no. going to root for? The Russian guy? Are you freaking no, kidding me now? No, I, you I see know. what's I'm, happening. You know what I mean? But I guess I'm sort of asking then, how would the crowd compare for Aljamain Sterling in New York versus Jacksonville? How well do his fans travel? I mean, he might have, you know, 50 or 75 or a couple. Yeah. I don't know how well Aljamain Sterling's fan base travels, you know, versus if he was in New York and had all of his local supporters that can't afford to fly to Jacksonville. You know, our executive producer, Cody Merrow, produces the weekly scraps, Aljo's podcast. He's trying to find a flight down to Jacksonville <laughs> right now. So. Uh, I'll tell you, but you were there the night Weidman fought at the Coliseum, and that, that energy was – Oh my was, god! Was electrifying. So that was it, insane. You know, it's crazy. You know that that card didn't do good on TV numbers, <clears throat> but the card in Long Island was definitely unbelievable. And I you're didn't get bringing your A game today because that's a phenomenal <laughs> example. That's yeah. one of the loudest American crowds I've ever experienced at a UFC. Yeah. Event. Now I think it was because I was in the corner. Why do yeah. you think so? yeah. it was because of him? I, we, <laughs> we still argue yeah. that point every right. every week, you know. But right. uh, you know, and maybe it was a combination. But uh, it was nice to grow up on Long Island and and to get that see him get that that welcome in. That was crazy, and that was that was the closest thing I could think. And it's see, and that's different than when he fought at the Garden, right, John? So. You know, right, I think you right, need those smaller right. pockets and then they stick yep. together. Yeah. You know, like put it this way. You you put Aljo in a fight at the Coliseum. I guarantee you'll see a different thing because right. he grew up in, I think, Uniondale, which is right there. <clears throat> no doubt about it. And, as and, and to- I think culturally it's different, too. Like in Europe, you know, you have that soccer influence and, and they're in the crowd. They're singing. They're chanting. It's like. It's yeah. so different. You know, the, the Americans get fired up, of course, but it's more like yelling and, yeah. you know, like, yeah, they wanna, I don't know, beer yeah, throwing. They want to paint like their that. faces, have a dildo hanging off the top of their head. Yeah, it's kind of, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But I actually think the other thing is that we're a melting pot, right? So yep. it's not just, you know, you got England, they're all yeah. kind of, I think, more cohesive that way. And we're, we kind of have, 50 trillion different ethnicities and crazy, you know, and, you know, stuff like that. I think that adds to it, you know. All I'll say, right, is that I can think of all the fighters that go stars and stripes on fight night, right? Because it means something to me, whether it's Chris Weidman or Michael Chandler or Justin Gaethje, you know, it's like, oh, shit, man, you know. There, you know, it's just nice to see every now and again. And obviously we're putting the spotlight on that because last night was a special, special night for. Yeah, I think that was a special night. And again, man, everybody did what they were supposed to do with the exception of one guy who almost had Taporia out of there, which yeah. was crazy. But again, man, if you're not willing to to walk through fire and to take that type of punishment, and come back now, that's a. That's one tough motherfucker, man. I mean, those Georgians are built different. 
I mean, for him to come back like that after getting knocked down, uh, I think was phenomenal. Yeah. You know, he ate all of that. I mean, that shin just oh, sliced man. across his nose, and yeah, and sat come, up and just went to work. It was and, and come back and knock him out. Not even yep. you know go Cold. to like uh you know to go to yeah. like Marab. They went to the takedowns yeah. and just you know tortured the guy. Yeah, this guy was throwing heat after that. That's what you want out of a fighter, right? That at fight, fifty-five. Yeah, at, at 55, 55, which yeah. is, I'm not sure that's is where he should stay, but right, yeah, uh, exactly. definitely undersized at 55. But he didn't know it. Yep, you know, so that that is exact. That's that's what you want out of a fighter. You don't want him to take that type of punishment, but if he does, you want to know that he's willing to come out in the next round or the next 10 seconds after that and just act like nothing happened. And 100. I thought that was I was blown away by that performance. Sounds like Longo wants to shake Ilya Topuria's hand after that one. How about if Marab wins the title, you and I get Georgian flags tattooed on our forearms? I, you know, look, I mean, I'm not a tattoo guy, but I tell you, I love the Georgian people. We got, I bet you we got 15 Georgians in here now, and I got to tell you, one guy nicer than the next. Yeah. Nobody tops wow. my man Marab, but we got yeah. another right. another kid fighting for a local right. title, uh, right. Torniki. The tornado. This kid is out of control. Really? Wait till you see this guy. But again, there's I'll tell you, John, the most humblest, nicest people, all of them. I I, I got it. I just went through this with Marab and Tornicky the other day. Oh man, you guys, I'm blown away by. I think how similar they are to like New Yorkers. I think that's where I'm coming from. But right, right. They're, well, they're then I don't want the tattoo. People. I don't want the tattoo. Yeah, guy anymore. Oh, it's about New York um, now. How about you get like a Georgian in uh, the state of Massachusetts? There you go. <laughs> but they don't together. come nicer than Marab Dwalish Willie, no. as far as the Georgians are concerned, unless there are women around in which Oh, case. don't talk to them when there's women around. Yeah. Don't, do not do it. You know. All right. So there are a lot of things I want to get to with really? you. Really? Like efficient. why? Well, Tom Aspinall. Yeah. How about that? Another guy rose to the occasion, made it look simple. He just That's planned. a future heavyweight champion of the world. You just going to tell me he rose to the fucking occasion? I mean, it looked to me like the the future <laughs> UFC heavyweight champion of the world. I agree with you. I think that was a great victory for him and he looked uh he looked phenomenal. The the, the heavyweight, they got some really good heavyweights yeah, now too. It's interesting right the now. The other kid looked great too. The um Pavlich, I think his name was Something like oh, that. Oh, Pavlovich, yeah. Pavlovich. Like, so how's, that, how's the main event between Cyril Gahn and Tom Aspinall go right now? You know what I mean? Like, how's no, that? Like, there's great like? matchups in there. Who do you like? Who, Who do I like? like? Gahn I don't Aspinall. know, man. I mean, Gahn um, maybe slightly favored, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, C Cyril Gahn, he's got a, a real tough style to deal with. Um, you know, has some good footwork and stuff. But with Aspinall's high-pressure style. I mean, he, he could pose some serious problems. He's certainly going to be the better grappler. Without like, what is Gon going to do? What is Gon going to do? You know, he, can't, he can't grapple with him on the ground. I don't, I, I, even, on the, even on the feet, Aspinall would land a lot of shots on him, I think. Yeah, one, and I don't one think... You guys who can. I don't think Ngannou will do any better on the ground with him. You know no. what I mean? I think they both have the a ground. problem. You know, getting Absolutely. it there would be definitely a, a problem, but he's definitely squared away there. So he's, I, he's looking good. And we talk about Fabricio Verdum historically as this great heavyweight offensive submission guy, Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. No um, question about Aspinall it. But Aspinall is a, a, a much better athlete, I believe, as far as if you put him at a free throw line. I could be way off base, you know, but to me, Aspinall just um, the, 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 the fast twitch muscle fibers. Yeah. Is that what they talk yeah, about? Yeah. I mean, but I tell you, as far as, but, but as far as submitting somebody off your back, I think 
uh, Verdun was at another yeah. level. Yes. So, um, all right, a couple other things. Um, we talked a lot about Arnold Allen and Dan Hooker, and uh, I mean, we all think the world of Arnold Allen, hard to see Hooker sort of go through that. He's been through a lot of wars, and just think about what this COVID-19 situation over the last two years has held for Hooker with all the travel and all the quarantine, and oh, I don't know. You know, I hope his bank account, I trust it looks pretty good with all these fights and all these bonuses and everything else, but I felt badly for him on Saturday night after that. Yeah, totally agree with everything you said. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, you know, yeah. some of these guys, they, they're they going up and up, and then you're right, they're in wars. It doesn't go their way. Maybe one goes their way, and then the next thing, they, they can't win a fight. It's it's kind of, like, again, I hope his bank account's in the right right direction. And uh, you're right with the COVID and coming from, I mean, I got to tell you, those, those trips coming from New Zealand or Australia, that, I, to, look, I'm older now. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's easier when you're younger, but those those are big trips, man. To, that, yeah. I think uh, yeah. asking a lot out of that guy. So. so there were nine finishes, and the UFC handed out a record nine performance bonuses, totaling 450000 American dollars, which I thought was just a, a masterful way to handle that. I uh, quickly want to talk about Molly McCann. Ray, have you seen the movie The Wedding Singer by chance oh, with Adam course. Sandler? Yeah. You know, that's a good meatball, right? She doesn't have any Tupperware. Oh, I don't have any clean Tupperware. She puts the fucking meatballs in his hands, you know, right? <laughs> now take a bite so I can watch you enjoy. Am I jogging your memory, right? Take a bite so I can watch you enjoy. I just show this to my kids because of Molly McCann's brilliance. But I wanted to go meatballs in my hands today in honor of Molly McCann. Uh, that, that spinning back elbow is a good fucking meatball. What? Are your thoughts on Molly McCann? Is she going to deal with like Barstool Sports now? Is that what I'm hearing? Um, spinning back elbow for her. She was in the octagon after Patty's win. She must have the right credential. Uh, what are your thoughts on Molly McCann? No, oh, listen, man. Uh, the kid brought some. I mean, she was amped up. She brought some. Uh, just spin, spin elbow was beautiful. Uh, I mean, you could. I mean, uh, looking at it, you could see it coming because she was so tilted one side. But she loaded that thing up, and that was beautiful. Uh, but yeah, just the camaraderie, that whole, that whole scene. I love, you know, the, the camaraderie of the, the stadium, the camaraderie of, you know, uh, Patty and her is it's, it, that's those moments you take with you for the rest of your life. I yeah, think it's, yeah. it, and, and, and we all do, but I think that's, that's great. Like we could, like, I'm when, even when I'm saying Frivola against Patty, it's not that I, I like, I think the kid's great for the sport. You know what I mean? I think I, I'm not sold on him yet, but he's just. To watch that, uh, like, again, the camaraderie between everybody was was fantastic. It is. It's special. Yeah, you know, it really is. It was great. It made me, me want to be English for a few minutes, you know. And then I get back <laughs> on my Stars and Stripes rant, and I'm proud to be an American. Um, all right. And then you remembered when they were taxing your poor Boston yeah. bastards for the yeah, tea or yeah. whatever the hell they yeah. did. Those Boston Tea Party, right. Fucking right. English, man. Yeah. They got us good, <laughs> man. They got, it. they got us, Kenny. Oh, my God. So we sit here three weeks out for Aljamain Sterling. So I remember talking to you going into the Corey Sanhagen fight. And if our listenership doesn't remember, that was a resounding win for Aljamain Sterling, I believe, yeah. at UFC 250 beautiful. or whatever it was. Absolutely and that beautiful. set up the championship opportunity. It was one of the most anticipated fights of the year between two elite Bantamweights, and it lasted a minute or less, right? Right. But you were very tight-lipped with us, as you often are, and I'm not – you know, yeah, it's fine. Like in true. terms of how Aljo was like a few weeks out, right? You don't give us a lot, right? 
And he could be in an amazing place. He could be in a not so good place and the net could still be an issue. And I don't think as a former broadcast journalist that I'm going to be able to extract much out of Ray Longo here three weeks out from a championship rematch with Piotr Jan that is highly anticipated. So do you have anything for us on Aljamain Sterling um, in terms of how he looks and, you know, what his American fans can expect on April 9th? And I couldn't really hear you. What, what, can you just go back to the beginning? Uh, seriously. No, no, listen. First off, I heard that, uh, I don't know if this is true. You could confirm it because I heard you're cornering Jan. Is that true? No. No? No. I, he asked you he, I was him. like 10th on his list. No. Oh, okay. So he, he didn't even get to you yet. No, I would have no. said yes, though. All right, look, let's just let's go over some basic stuff. So, <laughs> look, when I'm training people, it's a week-to-week basis. This is why I don't like even doing interviews, Kenny, right? Because then one one week the guy looks great, then he tweaks his elbow the next week. You don't want to say, no, yeah, yeah, I'm not. It, and then, then you're a liar. You said he was good, then he had an injury. So I just learned to shut my mouth. But as of right now, he looks great. He had a great day yesterday. Um, I think one of the things with the Sanhagen fight is, and, and this is my my opinion, but I mean, I go, I do talk to him sometimes about it. He thinks every fight's going to be easy, right? Like, I'll just go in there, take him down, choke him out. So we got to get past that. <clears throat> you know, I got another kid, Dylan Montello. You know, he lost at a Khabib show, but he's got a right hand. He's been knocking people out. But he fell in love with the right hand. You start forgetting about all the stuff. So, you know, that sometimes happens, right? So, but this time, we are training for the long haul. Uh, and that's that's the way it's going down. He feels great. And that's it, man. I'm, 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 I'm very excited for the fight. So Aljo's last loss came on short notice to Marlon Barais in December, all the way back in 2017. I'm not going to ask you to like compare these championship moments, but obviously you were sort of holding the belt reluctantly there with Aljo after he beat Pierre yeah. unceremoniously that first time around. Um, I don't know if you'll be teared up, but I'd imagine like if he breaks through and wins this one, like this has got to feel as big because people are putting Piotr Jan in these historical conversations, looking like a guy who might be one of the greatest bantamweights of all time. And yet you have the undisputed champion that looked like he was on that type of trajectory um, until Jan dominated major portions of that fight. late. Yeah. 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 Look, he wins that fight. I'm retiring. That's it. Right. Right. He wins that because I'll tell you, he's got a, what people look, I say anybody that's moved around with Aljo that's trained with him, they know he's a different cat. You know, we got to bring that that guy into the octagon and and he will win the fight. He's got he's got a lot of tools, man, that he's that still haven't surfaced that I, I just hope come out at the right time and we'll have a great night. All right, last thing before I let you go, I just wanted to tell you that Cody updated the design on those wayward Ray Longo fight team sweatshirts. It now says team Sarah Longo. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, so that's a little better. On, yeah. So, well, I didn't know. I mean, are we supposed yeah. to go Longo Weidman MMA team? Sarah Longo. Who the hell I, knows? Who, well, knows? who knows? We just well, know knows? we're not supposed to go. You Ray know, Longo you know, you team. know, you know, when you don't know something, Kenny, you ask a question. Though. You <laughs> don't just go ahead and fucking start printing shit. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Kenny, is it me? Oh, you ask a question. What is You're it? You're not wrong. Yeah. Look not why not did wrong. Ally equip no, I, the I thought he was almost choking himself. He was like, yeah. Did you just try to choke yourself out? 
What, what all, shirt does Sarah wear? Can we set nice. up right. So it's amazing, though, how Iaquinta and Frivola, it's like we couldn't keep the Ray Longo fight team sweatshirts on the shelves, right? Because all of his students are yes. buying out all the merchandise, you know, save some for the fans. AnaCloreanPodcast.com. Oh, my promo God. Code AF10. Um, but this <laughs> okay. was like all Cody. No, no, no. You'll go to your cremation chamber blaming me for this. It was all Cody. I had nothing <laughs> to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> the cremation buried or cremated buried that's or cremated a, that's a good that's a good uh everybody's getting cremated lately i don't know which way i'm going well, here, right. here's the thing whenever that happens john the t-shirt sales are just going to go through the roof oh, oh, shit. and we Dude, get it man. all because ray's I mean, gone he's out of here we get holy all the crap, right? man. this and is really this is you gotta atrocious. look ahead right atrocious ahead. i tell you and he's going to retire on april 10th so um, yeah. All right. Looking Last forward thing. to that too, because I can't take much more. Because we're having a good time, I have never asked this question in my life of anybody else because I don't love the question, right? Yeah. Um, but because if, uh, we're here, and I want to let you go on a high note, right? Yeah. Oh, a high Ken note. Flo, Ken Flo, and Cody. Yeah. Ken Flo, me and Cody. You have to marry one of us. Oh God! Yeah. Are you kidding? Are you joking? How I old are you? you? Kill me. How old right, are you? I figured you might kill me today. So. No, you. I'm gonna. No, you. I'm gonna fuck. Yeah, yeah, you're getting. No, you're definitely getting to death. You're definitely getting fucked over and fucked. I'll be honest. Okay, with that's you. all we need to know. All that's right, here it. we go. You can hey, we gotta go. On that, listen. I'm in Houston this week with uh, Nas. Uh, Nas the Dream, Saudi cop. Okay. I screwed his name up, I'm sure. But cup. yeah, he's going to have a great fight this weekend. And uh, nice. then I'm back, and then we go for uh, the biggie, man. We're going for the biggie. But uh, I, I don't even, I can't even remember the card. I'm drawing a blank because I want to give a shout out also to Carlo. What a great guy from the Chicken Pound. He's going to be sponsoring the show. So we'll talk about that off the air. But what a what great. a great guy, great, great. company, uh, especially if you're, you're making your weight cut. And he's uh, he's a former bodybuilder who understands that. People are tight on money and stuff. Just uh, right. had, I met with him on Tuesday. What a sweetheart of a guy. We're gonna we're pushing the chicken pound, baby. That's what we're doing. That's our All goal right. for the next couple All of right. weeks. So the chicken pound. So they're not sponsoring this show. They're sponsoring that regional MMA show. No, this, they, they, he's going to sponsor the Ray Longo Minute, but he also wants to sponsor you. Oh, so, yeah. The, chi- hey. the Ray Longo Minute presented by the chicken pound. Yeah, baby. How's it sound? No, give it to me amazing. like your UFC broadcaster uh, voice. All right, today's Ray Longo Minute is presented by the Chicken Pound, where you can get a pound of fucking chicken anytime you goddamn well please. <laughs> exactly. Never cook chicken again. Uh-huh. Hashtag chicken champions. You're going to be good, John. I like this. Right. That, hey. was your, that was your uh, audition. Safe to say 341 episodes into the show, we owe you much more than you owe us. Like, we are eternally No, that's not true. You guys, you, well, no, you guys give me a lot. Of nothing, right, but they well, give me a lot of it. Huh. Yeah, yeah it's a lot of it. That's the most. Yeah, but there's a ton of it, though, man. I don't yeah, even know what yeah. to do with it. You know when you yeah. have a, a ton of nothing? What do you do with it? <laughs> what do you do, John? Tell hey, me. I promise you in the next eight weeks, there's going to be some very exciting news. How's oh, that for a guarantee? I'm, I'm still waiting for another check on the shirts. Kenny <laughs> 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 uh, and I don't take a cent for merchandise. For the record, yeah, Ken Flo and I have just, not let's taken Just make sure that Ray doesn't see our I, I think Kenny is funneling this shit into Bitcoin. I know that for a fact. <laughs> I know that for a fact. Anyway, You're not wrong, Ray. I don't, okay? don't want to really air out our dirty laundry on the podcast. But just I, no I did accounting. Right. 
There is no rumors. Are we getting together in Florida finally? Yes, we are. Right. And that's why you need to marry Kenny and kill Cody. And talk to you next <laughs> oh, week. maybe that might be the weekend. Cody's got a lot of upside. <laughs> that might though. be He's the weekend 20. you get it, John. <laughs> We're good. We'll, we'll actually be closed uh, on that weekend. <laughs> hey, we'll I talk told, to you next I told Sunday, John huh? he should be working on his grappling skills. All right, oh, man. Man. <laughs> Get in my and, guard here. Let me close my guard. No, it, won't be, it won't be in the guard. I'll have your back. <laughs> Trust me. Go over all back attacks with him, Kenny, because it's coming. Oh, my so. God. You guys oh are the best. Oh, my God. Get out of here. Oh, my God. The great. He's unbelievable. Raymond Peter Longo. Amazing. That guy gets nowhere near my back. My <laughs> back take defense is not great, but although Longo did train in jujitsu more than I did. All he right. Did. Spirited Ray Longo minute today. Um, presented, I guess, by the fucking chicken pound. All right. We have another UFC live event coming up this Saturday in Columbus, Ohio. It has been a long time since the UFC has been in Columbus. Uh, let's make some picks with our man, Brian Petrie. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. I mean, Gray Law, that was, the internet's going to go crazy over that long ago minute. I mean, come on. I mean, what else can be said? What else can be said about He's a Ray? nut, man. He's out of his mind. You know, some weeks are better than others, you know. Um, my I, mean, that question, has, I mean, that question, you knew where it was going. I mean, what, what are we doing here? Uh, you yeah, asking yeah. the Mary fuck kill? Uh, no, man. I've never asked it in my life. I actually don't like it. I don't like being asked it, but it seemed like the right time to ask him. I, I agree. And his answer was perfect. Well. Speaking of, um, yeah, of course, grateful. I was getting killed there. I knew that. <laughs> yeah, that was going to happen. <laughs> so uh, speaking of being grateful for contributions to the show, couldn't be happier to have my man Brian Petrie back on the program at MMA Takes Podcast. Um, listenership really enjoying you, and we appreciate having you on the show. I didn't update the standings. I do know that it was a perfect week, though, uh, for Brian Petrie yet again. Hit Arnold Allen as a slight underdog against Dan Hooker. Also hit. Tommy Aspinall as an underdog, uh, and you guys were both unified every step of the way. So Team Anik maintains control of the board uh, as we move it along to UFC Fight Night. Blades versus Dawkins in Columbus, Ohio. Before we get going, um, we're going to get to Matt Brown here in a little bit. Um, Kenny and I were in Cincinnati, Ohio in May of 2014 for the call of what I believe was Matt Brown's first UFC main event, Kenny against Eric Silva. And um, it was a time when Eric Silva was all the rage and uh, you know, Matt Brown was having none of that noise, but I went back to make sure it was you and me on the call, Ken Flo this morning. And obviously that was in BP's home city. So um, I don't really have much more on that. Brian, you weren't, weren't in the building that night. I was hundred percent. My wife and I first, her first event together. Yeah. Yeah, I've been, they've been to Cincinnati twice. I've been in both events. Yeah. That was, that was an electric main event right there. I got the poster hanging up on the wall. I I could move my camera, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, because in your analysis, I can always hear the depth to it and how long you've been an MMA fan. So of course you're in the goddamn building. And every time I hear, I mean, I do get emotional as I get older. And when I hear some of those old calls with me and Ken Flo, um, oh, I just rewatched it, makes- it too. I mean, can't you guys, I mean, no disrespect to Felder, Bisping, DC, you got, they're all great, but you and Kenny together is special, man. It really, well, truly, I'm not just saying I've been here. You guys, were, you, you guys were awesome. The passion out of Kenny's voice. I mean, the clip you guys show it or play at the beginning, Rock'em, Sock'em, Robots. I mean, that, that gives me goosebumps every fucking time. I love it. <laughs> 
Well, thanks. I wasn't even going to speak about our ability, which I think is average. Collectively. No, but <laughs> exactly. I, I didn't know. I found myself just being like, I really hope there's a day <laughs> where we can uh, call a high profile sporting event uh, yeah. together again. I can't do the robot fights. I'm not qualified. <laughs> we can do some sort of uh, live event. Um, and Cody, I will get to the pronunciation of the week on the back end. Rest assured. Um and give you a chance to puff out your chest on a guy's name who I can't even pronounce. Um, but let us make some selections today. Um, I think we have four fights to pick, if I'm not mistaken, maybe five. But we'll start with the heavyweights, who will be in the spotlight, of course, in the main event. Alir Latifi, minus 145. Alexi Olenek, plus 125. A little backdrop for you men quickly. Uh, Latifi coming off a split decision win over Tanner Bozier. That was last June. He is 1-1 one one since returning to heavyweight. Olenek pulled out of a fight with Greg Hardy in January. He has lost three in a row, all in pursuit of what would be a 60th professional MMA win. Remarkable career. Could be coming to an end this weekend, Bri. He is 44 years of age, yet still in a close fight on the number here. He's just plus 125. Your thoughts on the ageless? I don't know if he's ageless. I mean, he's pretty Uh, slow. Alessio Olenek, your thoughts on him here against uh, the backyard shed, Alir uh, Alir Latifi. I, I want to come original. I hate when all the cappers are like, you know, this line is, but I love this line. I feel like I'm robbing from Vegas here. I am heavy on Latifi. Uh, listen, I know we don't do locks in our picks, but if I could lock this man up, I would. Like, I think this is a, a complete bad matchup for Atlantic. Latifi should be two and out heavy. Let's not forget that Derek Lewis fight. I don't know what the fuck was going on with that. I had Latifi win that fight. Very close fight with Bozier. Bozier, um, obviously uh, a prospect at heavyweight as well. And then Latifi's 38 years old, but he trains at All-Stars, one of the best gyms in Europe right now, right? And I've been following MMA long enough to know that these old wrestlers, they don't want to give up the gym to these young bucks. You know, Chamayev's in there strutting around. It's kind of like with DC and AKA, all these young Dagestani guys are coming over. DC's like, hey, I'm the captain of the ship. I feel like Latifi's going to look best ever with all these guys coming over from All-Stars right now. And uh, he's a pure wrestler at heart. Then you got Alexi Olenek. I mean, this guy eats fucking nails for breakfast. Huh. He's apparently the strongest man alive. You know what I mean? Father Time is undefeated for a reason, though. You know, he's 44 years old. He's never been the, the fleet of foot. And, uh, and he's, you know, slowing down a little bit. He's on a three-fight losing streak. But what's crazy is that he's never been particularly technical or clean with really anything that he does, but he's almost got 60 fucking wins. And that's attributing to his heart and his toughness. And, you know, and the guy's probably going to fight till 50. I don't know if it's going to be in the UFC, but, you know, all the respect in the world goes to Alexi Atlantic. However, respect doesn't win bets. Uh, I love Latifi here. I'm going to go heavy on him. I think he's going to TKO him. And if he doesn't win, I know we like to do tattoo bets here, uh, but I, if he doesn't win, I'll shave my head into the horseshoe that Alexi Atlantic rocks. If Latifi ah. doesn't win... Horseshoe head. <laughs> I'll rock it for like a week. Then I'll have to, I'll, you know, I'll have to get it off. But I love it, I, man. Yeah. I mean, we're just cut from the same cloth. I love the conviction. And there is a tattoo bet for you in the future, of course, on the Anakin Florian podcast. But the shaved head is a good way to start. Kenny, yeah, I mean, this line to me seems a little bit uh, out of whack, um, just given where Olenek is at, given the layoff, given the fact that he had to pull out of a fight in January. And I also think that, that Brian hit on an important point when it comes to sort of the level of the room and Latifi being inspired by Hamza Chimaev and what he has sort of brought to that gym in that room. Um, I still think Latifi potentially can make a run. I'm not sure Olenek has one in him. Um, that being said, pretty close fight on paper. Ken Flo, how do you see a plan out? 
Yeah, Brian killed the breakdown. Uh, and also the shirt. Can we talk about the shirt? The Ultimate Warrior shirt? Yeah. One of my favorite wrestlers of all Love time. What? Watch out in here. Is what? Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, listen, man. I, I think that's spot on. I, I think that Alir Latifi's ability to keep it on the feet will be the difference. I think his short and stocky stature will also help him, uh, well, should help him uh, to prevent Alexi Olenek from uh, taking the fight to the mat. Now, Olenek will probably still try that, you know, Ezekiel choke from from the top position if he's able to get into that clinch position, but um, it's going to be difficult to do against Latifi, I think. I think Latifi hits way harder. Olenek still hasn't quite developed uh, his striking to the level where I think it's a threat um, you know, tends to shoot in from a little bit too far away. So, yeah, this is a great fight for Latifi uh, based on uh, Brian's breakdown uh, and prediction. I, I think that line is going to change with the quickness. So get in on Latifi. All right, we'll see where it closes right now. Minus 145 at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, pick him fight at welterweight. Matt Brown, minus 110. Brian Barberina, also minus 110. As you guys know, this fight got delayed from its initial booking in December. Brown tested positive for COVID-19. He's 41 years old, but still productive, dating to his last fight, a knockout of Diego Lima. Uh, and as we mentioned, here in his home state, the great state of Ohio, Brian Petrie, for the first time since May of 2014. Your thoughts on Matt Brown here against Barberina in a pickup? These two, these two guys are made for each other. I mean, I, hopefully they split a can of dip after the fight and they're just they're the buddies. Same dude. It's like they're, they're the, the same, same dude. guy. You yeah. know? <laughs> Matt Brown, Ohio's own. You know, he's I, I believe he's Xenia, Ohio, but he lives in Columbus. You know, it's about an hour and a half, half hour and a half away from Cincinnati. I've been in the same room as Matt Brown many, many years ago. He's come down to train with Rich H. Franklin. You know, that's a story from another time. So I've I've been around him a little bit. Um, you know, and, and fighting your hometown can be a blessing and curse. He blew the roof off Cincinnati. He called Cincinnati Columbus. I don't even remember that. He's like, what's up, Columbus, Cincinnati? It's very, very funny. But he actually blew the roof off uh, of a really competitive Eric Silva fight. Um, but since, you know, he's 41. He had a brief retirement. Since he's come out, he's 2-2 two and two after that little brief retirement. Both wins by stoppage. But, you know, his chin is wavering a little bit. He used to be the real tough, by your mouthpiece kind of guy. You could hurt him to the body. You couldn't hurt him to the head. Now he's starting to get wobbled a little bit. The Diego Lima fight, his last one, he got, you know, rough first round, came back the second round. Uh, you know, but, you know, 41 is impressive. You know, he seems motivated. And enter Brian Barberina, who also had some really bad injuries. He didn't really take as much time off as I think he should have. He had a real, like, intestinal thing. But, you know, his two losses, besides two losses, they're elite guys. You know, he's lost to Colby. He's lost to Leon Edwards, Vincent DeLuke, Randy Brown, who's up and coming. Unfortunately, you know, I don't look at a guy's extensive record. His last two wins were against guys who haven't won in the UFC, and he didn't finish them. Um, so that kind of gives me pause, but this is very good match matchmaking. Both guys bring on the feet. I think Barbarina's cleaner with the hands, and I think Matt Brown might look to grapple a little bit. He's working all over his all game. Problem is, Matt Brown, I think sometimes when he grapples, he's going to gas a little bit. Being 41 kind of scares me off. I think it might slow down. And being an Ohio kid and being a Buckeye, I might get my Buckeye taken away from me, but I'm going to go Brian Barbarina by KO here. I, I, you know, I love to pick him. It's a great line, and it's a great fight, but it uh, should be action-packed. And clearly he puts handicapping at the forefront of what he's doing here. There's no hometown discount when it comes to, uh, to Brian Petrie. Um, so Brian Barberina did Barbarina, excuse me, stay on that card, defeated Darian weeks in December. Now coming up on UFC appearance, number 14, Kenny Barbarina, really nice guy lives on a farm that he owns with his family. Bunch of kids came out to baby shark one time. Um, and he's fought a lot of killers in the UFC. Your thoughts on him here on the road against Matt Brown. 
make no mistake about it. Both of these guys are absolute savages <laughs> and are the kind of guys that will fight to the death. A lot of people say that. These guys, I think, truly mean it. Um, and uh, it, it's going to be crazy while it lasts. Uh, I don't see any other way uh, that this fight is going to play out. Matt Brown, I think, has more skills. He's got uh, probably more tools, I should say. He's got more tools. Uh, Brian Barberena still, I think, has a chin from hell. Uh, very difficult to put away. Uh, Matt Brown isn't going to quit. He's not going to go away, but his chin isn't as good as Barbarina's at this stage of their careers. Um, but I, I think in the clinch, uh, Matt Brown is a problem for anybody. His knee-elbow combinations are as good as anybody's in the UFC, period. Uh, obviously, me being a huge elbow fan, um, it's been a real treat to watch Matt Brown use that tool over the course of his career. And I think it's going to be a weapon here against Barbarina. Um, I, I think that uh, Brian's right. I, I would like to see him use some grappling at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if he uses it. He just has to know how to conserve his energy and be efficient there. I think that's been the biggest problem for Matt in, in previous fights is he's not so efficient when he uses it. And we see him get tired because of it. He also obviously has to be real careful on the outside with that with those looping hooks and those overhands from Barbarena. Um, but man, you know, I'm a sentimental guy. I like huh. Matt Brown. I love his elbows. I love the fact that he's a Bitcoiner. I mean, come on. Oh. So I'm, I'm biased. I'm biased here. I'm going with Matt Brown. Let's, Let's go. go. Let's go. Therein lies the rub. And don't be trotting out cryptocurrency with Kenflow, okay? Yeah. Bitcoin, <laughs> just, okay? Just Bitcoin. Don't offer him Ethereum. Right? He certainly doesn't want your fucking Dogecoin. Okay? <laughs> God. All right. 100%. Big fight here at Flyweight. Oscar Oscarov minus 305. Kai Kata France plus 240. So Oscarov fought Brandon Moreno to a draw back in Mexico City. That was 2019. Otherwise, he's beaten everyone else. 14 0 1. Now he gets Kata France coming off a huge knockout himself of Cody Garbrandt last December. So I'm not going to tell you guys who to pick here. I guess for me, as far as our scoring system is concerned, I don't know how you don't look at Kai Kata France at plus 240. I think he is a live underdog at that price. And in this format, Brian, uh, how do you not give the guy who on paper would appear to be the more prolific finisher a long look? Your thoughts on a big fight here at 125 pounds. Well, now, now, now you're making me second guess my pick here. You're right. Oh, I, I do. I do have a, another, you know, you know, this is called a tease in the biz. Maybe I'm, I'm going to pick another underdog later, later on our picks. All right, all right. But I do like Askarov here. Listen, 125. I, I'm so glad they brought it back. I know there was flirting with getting rid of it. They cut some guys, but 125 is just, it's high level in May. These guys just, they go, right? Maybe not the most finishes in the world, but some incredible fights. Kakar France coming off two of his biggest wins, both by KO, which saved him because his nickname don't blink and he hadn't had a finish in the UFC yet right. so this kind of saves him a little bit come big two big knockouts over Cody Garbrandt the biggest name in the biz and he comes out of a really good city kickboxing uh, gym and they've done really well against grapplers this is your classic striker versus grappler not saying Kai Carl France doesn't have any ground game but you know, uh, Askarov is going to be on you like glue. This guy's going to come out. He's going to stick on you like glue. His striking's coming along. He rocked Tim Elliott really bad in their fight, a very close fight. But this guy's been thrown to the fucking wolves since he came to the UFC. Debut against Marino, Mexico City. Then who's got Tim Elliott, Pantoja, Joe B. And, you know, besides Tim Elliott, he's making this look relatively not easy, but 
no one can stop that style. You know, I've never seen Joe B get held down that way and out grappled by a guy like Askarov. It's kind of a different little thing here, you know? And the thing that Askarov, he's not getting a lot of love because I think there's a little bit of a Russian fatigue. There's so many Russian guys now. They're so good. Everyone's like, oh, another Russian. So Askarov's not getting love. I think this guy should be fighting for a title. I thought maybe I know with, with going down with, um, with what's going on at 125 Moreno Figueroa, it's kind of up in the air, but I think Askarov's ready. He's prime. Um, and then, and the one thing that he gets knocked on is maybe being boring. All his wins before the UFC were finishes. All his fights in the UFC are not finishes, but he has been thrown to the wolves. I completely agree with John. There's a lot of value boys out there who are going to be loving Kai Car France at this number. I'm just not going to be one of them. I wish I could say Axelrod can get a submission here and really put shine on his name because I think he's that good. But I see it being decision. I see Kai Car France being just pretty durable. I love that term value boys. I don't know if there's a negative connotation there with the value boys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. Um, all right, Kemflo, what do you think about Kara France and his chances here against the undefeated Oscar Oscarov? I think there is value in that he has the ability to knock out anyone in that division. Uh, I love the way that he moves. I love the way he puts together his combinations. I think he's riding high on confidence right now uh, and can win this fight. Now, stylistically, though, this is a tough fight for him. I mean, who who wants to go out there and fight Askar Askarov right now? A guy who knows how to get to the clinch. He lands some good shots from the outside. And once he gets a hold of you, uh, it's very difficult to get him off of you, um, whether he's in the clinch standing or once he gets that top position. Uh, he is a major problem. Uh, he can wrestle his ass off. He knows how to control you. He knows how to integrate his ground and pound. Um, and it tends to just wear on you round after round, like we've seen so many of these Russian wrestler-based fighters. Uh, so I, I think it's a tough matchup for Kai Kaur France. Um, I, I think that um, you know he's going to have that striking advantage throughout this fight. Um, but when you're used to striking and you're in a grappling fight and you have to wrestle your ass off round after round, your striking tends to dwindle. You don't have that same energy, all that stuff. So uh, because of that, I don't love this matchup form. I do think there's value uh, on, on uh, Kaikara France, but um, let's go with Askarov as well. All right, co-main event, fellas. Alexa Grasso, minus 210, Joanne Wood, plus 175. So Grasso 2-0 here, uh, Bryce, since moving up to the flyweight division. JoJo on the other side needs a win. She has dropped two in a row. She was actually supposed to face Alexa Grasso last November. Grasso was eventually replaced by Tyla Santos, who went on to submit Joanne Wood. And if JoJo is going to fight for the belt, uh, absolutely has to have this one. She is not favored to get it done. Brian Petrie, your thoughts on the co-main? This is tough for me because I always ride with Joanne because I, from the ultimate fighters, she has that adorable Scottish voice and she seems like the sweetest person in the world, but then she switches on the cage. She can be a killer in there. And Grosso, someone who, I mean, she lost her debut against Felice Herring. She lost to Tatuya Suarez. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know about this girl. Right. But she's really fucking good. So I've faded her and I rode the woods. So and now my brain is like, okay, what are you going to do here? Idiot. So <laughs> I think Grosso should be the favorite. I think she's coming off some really two good, really good wins. And I think her, her boxing is looking really clean and fast. Her foot movement is incredible. Her head movement's great. Her cardio checks out. Jaren Wood seems a little bit slower than there. Um, you know, uh, she's 36 in, and she's fought everyone and she, and she's hard to put out. I mean, she had a really close fight with Warren Murphy. She looked a little unmotivated against Tyler Santos. Who's actually a beast the last time she's coming out but you know i don't want to knock joanne wood because i do like her i do i, I think she's a special person she's uh, a really talented fighter but i just 
when I look at it and, I, and I'm taking all the sentimental stuff, I'm going all the sentimental stuff out of my brain is going right to the fight. I think Grasso is going to cruise here. I really do. I think it's going to be an easy decision win. I, I wouldn't put her past her getting a late TKO finish, which could be a lot of money because a lot of women's fights go to decision. It's like minus 400. You get a right. late stoppage in like the third round with Grasso who, who can keep up that pace and have really good boxing. You can get a great price, but I'm going to go Grasso by decision. I just think she's too fast and, and, and cleaner everywhere. Beautifully done, as usual. Uh, Alexa Grasso, modest 210. JoJo Calderwood, Joanne Wood, I should say, uh, plus 175. Kemp, your thoughts? Yeah, John, you know, it, it's hard to go the other way. I, I think that for Joanne, um, I was kind of waiting for a turnaround maybe a few years ago where, where something would change, and I haven't quite seen that in her. I, I think that there's been some subtle changes. Uh, she's she's gotten better overall for sure, um, but – I don't know. I, I I thought there was more potential there than what we've been seeing. Um, and um, yeah, I think Alexa Grasso's the more explosive fighter here. I think she's a little bit cleaner with her striking. Uh, she's very aggressive. Talk about another fighter that's riding high on confidence right now. I think uh, she is that girl. Um, and I think she gets it done as well. All right, that brings us to the main event at heavyweight. Fourth rank, Curtis Blades, minus 320, the favorite. Number eight, Chris Dawkins, plus 260. So what a chance for Dawkins to put that Derek Lewis result in the rearview mirror. That's what Blades, of course, was able to do in his last fight, a win over Biggie Boy Jarzinho Rosenstrike that followed his own knockout loss to the Black Beast. So Curtis Blades, still relevant in this division, still in the top five. He's won five of six. Dawkins on the other side, four and one in the UFC, can take his place in the top five. Big fight at heavyweight on the heels of what Tommy Aspinall did last night. Who wins the main event, Brian, and how do you think they get it done? Yeah, so this is another big boy main event, another heavyweight. They got a lot to live up to because what Tommy Aspinall did, I mean, I was blown away. I think I, I've yeah. stated, I went on record, he's going to be champion. I'm sure you guys talked about it. I'll have to listen back. But Blaze is a guy that I just can't figure out. Like his wrestling might be the best in the heavyweight division. John, don't tell DC that because uh, when DC was a heavyweight, he, he liked to knock people out. But, you know, but he goes out there and he, and he almost commits murder over Alistair Overeem, right? A veteran. Just those elbows and grinding power were, were brutal. Then he has a lackluster decision over Justin Willis. It's like, wait. What happened to the, what, you know, so it's so hard for me to really back this guy. And then, you know, he's lost to two men, Frankie murder twice and Derek Lewis, both guys with crazy power. I mean, that's going to happen. My biggest issue with blades is something that John has brought up. Why doesn't he team up with a guy like Ken Florian or a guy like Henry Gracie, these jujitsu guys who are made for MMA, who, who get submissions done for you. Curtis Blaze takes everyone down. You know, get your BJJ tight. He's young. He's 31, which is like 25 in the heavyweight division. You can really, you know, take some arms and necks home. Um, but Chris Dawkins fits in that power bunch of category. You know, he's got some, she got some power punches. What's plagued him in the past? Dawkins, Chris Boxing moves really well for the for the guy. I've been wanting Dawkins and Tom Aspinall when they were, they both kind of debuted at the same time. Yeah. They were they were ready to meet. And, and, I, and I still think that's a fight potentially down the road. Um, and I did a little digging because I didn't know much about Dawkins' background. I know Kyle Dawkins is very good on the ground. Chris Dawkins is a BJJ black belt too. I know there's levels to that. We'll see how he is because he's going to get taken down. And uh, But the C Blades has never fought anybody with really true BJJ skills. I mean, you can throw Alexi Olenek in there, but he never really fought Redoom. He never really fought any of these guys. Not saying that Dawkins is, but he's a black belt, so we're going to see maybe his get-up game. We're going to see a lot of different things here. Now, the problem I have with Blades is fixable. You know, he's like I said, he's he can he can do that. And his stand-up is a little rough. It's very pushy. There's no snap to anything. He likes to push anything. He likes to bulldoze you. It takes you down. And Dawkins is coming off a of Derek Lewis loss. I mean, listen, I don't take too much stock in that. I'm, I'm not a UFC fighter, but I'm a heavyweight, and I've been knocked out by Derek Lewis. I mean, it fucking happens. Everyone. 
he'll catch right. anyone at any time. You know what I mean? So I, I don't take too much stock in that. But, you know, when you go – I'm going back and forth in this fight. I, I keep bouncing around a little bit. It's very intriguing to me. Um, and the line says everything here. I can't play a heavyweight at minus 320. I just can't. Give me no Dawkins by KO. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm taking yeah. Dawkins by KO. Maybe he'll catch him with an uppercut when – kind of like what Derek Lewis did when he was coming in. Uh, but, yeah, just give me Dawkins, and uh, we'll see what the kids got. This is a big test for him. Yeah, price prohibitive on the Curtis Blades front, which is often the case when he fights, uh, unless he's fighting Frankie Murder, as you put yeah. it. You hear him call. I don't know if you, you caught that, Ken Flo. He called Francis Ngannou Frankie Murder. I mean, it's I love brilliant. It. It's um, you're here to stay, bro, until somebody fucking swipes you from us. Uh, <laughs> all right, Ken Flo. A lot of respect from the odds makers, as usual, for one Curtis Razor Blades. Yeah. Your, your thoughts on him here against Chris Dawkins in the main event? Uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I agree. I, I think, um, you know, based on the line, I think Dawkins is very intriguing here. Um, you know, I, I was hoping to try to steal that one uh, from Brian here. But, yeah, I think he's got a good shot. Uh, it's extremely difficult to predict how a Curtis Blades fight is going to go. Yeah. Um, and he has he has had uh, some consistency, right, going on a four-fight win streak and all that stuff. But, I don't know. It seems like he tends to hesitate. I, I I wasn't so impressed with that performance against Yair. I don't know. Maybe he was dealing with an injury or something like that. Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, some, something just seemed off. Um, so yeah, I think he's going to be a little bit vulnerable on the feet, of course. I, I think he's going to have a lot more trouble with Dawkins on the ground uh, than he's experienced in the past. Can he control him? Sure. Um, but, uh, is he going to be a threat as far as, um, you know, his submission game? I don't think so. Um, and I think that's where doc can maybe capitalize, maybe countering with some kind of a guillotine or maybe roll him to get on top. Um, but I think it's more likely that Dawkins will eventually find the mark on the feet, um, and, and try to finish it there. So, um, I, I like Dawkins here as well, man. All right. Well, both get, part- go ahead. Do we, do we pick all the same, right? He picked. I went with Brown. That was the okay, only okay. difference. I was yeah. going to say, to make, to make it interesting, I was going to switch. Whatever, I was going to go opposite that fight. But since we're we're opposite that one, I'm okay with it. All right. Well, yeah. you always reserve the right as we sit here taping sure. six yeah. days out uh, to alert the masses on social media that you change your pick. And okay. Anna Florian Pod will, will repurpose that. So uh, you can always change your pick if you do want to ultimately go with the favorite. Curtis Razor Blades, you got to be on like a 15 and one stretch or something. I know how I haven't done great in terms of updating the standings, but you've been yeah. on a roll. I've been on a roll. I've I've been on a roll. My personal one, like I said, I give out that parlay at six and one, and I mean we're we're getting like big plus numbers. We're not we're I'm not just you know what I'm saying. I plus one sixty seven last night. Yeah. Last week was like plus two sixty one. You know I'm yeah. a straight wager guy like you, John. But you know a lot of people love the parlays. They like putting eight bucks down, winning two hundred. You know it's right. fun. And uh, I'm on a nice little stretch. I'm seeing the board pretty well, boys. I'm seeing the board good, pretty man. well here. And your Cincinnati Bengals taking offensive linemen from the New England Patriots. <sighs> I you love know. it. What are you gonna yep. do? And All right, if you want Collins, okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. no, you're right. Yeah, hey. Much love to you at MMA Takes Podcast yes. for the great Brian Petrie. Thanks for all you brought to the show. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Hopefully it doesn't include too much child care. And uh we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Absolutely. See you guys. There he is, Brian Petrie with us for the main event challenge. Frankie Murder. That was brilliant. All right, let's check in with our executive producer, Cody Marrow, if we could. Hi, Cody. Hey. Everyone's bringing their A game today, huh? I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Um, let's see how it goes for you with our pronunciation of the week. And man, were there a lot of directions in which we could go for UFC Fight Night Columbus. Um, well, listen, like I was looking at the card. There are four former pronunciation of the week fighters on here. Aliashkov, wow. Kizrayev, ring a bell, anybody? Yeah, good. 
pretty decent I, job with that one. It seems to have stuck to all the resin on your brain stem. Well, so before, <laughs> before you get into that, everyone's bringing their A game, right? So I get a little more ammo for this one before we just jump in there. Quick notes, okay? All right. Um, you know, I'm the nickname master, not the matchmaking master, as you guys threw me under the bus earlier, but Tom, the mountain Aspinall, like, I, I think that's great. The mountain. So we've had, um, George Stanhoe was mountain man, right. Or man mountain, which is even better. Um, yeah, I like the mountain, the mountain lion. And what about Doc Bird against Volkov, who is way bigger? But yeah, well, yeah I well, but it works. Two, it works yeah. both. It works two ways because it's Aspen all like the mountain. Oh, the mountain from Game I of Thrones. Didn't, you know? I didn't so get the. I so you're right. So yeah, so it has a lot of tie-ins. Yeah, so I didn't get the Aspen like the resort tie-in. Yeah. You know? So number two, number two thing I had Paul Krieg's daughter. Did you know her name is Maya after Demi and Maya? No way. Really. That's yeah. amazing. Oh, that's, that. Shout out to Paul Craig, by the way, Paul huh? Craig. Yeah, great win. Incredible. Uh, another it's great Scottish, win. Uh, it's Cup. Mohammed Mokayev. I don't know yep. if you guys knew. 23 yep. and 0 amateur record. He wants to beat John Jones' record. He has 780 or so days to do it. At flyweight division, I think it's wide open for him to do that. Wow. Uh, Kenny, sure. your hat, PFL, PFL Challenger Series has a former UFC fighter headlining this Friday, Bevon Lewis. Yes. Uh, and then if you're, you know, in the Miami, Florida, Dade County area and you have a Jeep, you know, connection, hit up John Grand Wagoneer. He's in the market. He's in the I market need, for it. So. <laughs> hey, Cody, I actually think we need to nice. sort of add this segment to the show where you sort of give us a few nuggets like this on the way out, because there are some things that fall through the cracks. Um, and you did. Yeah, you tried to name Chris Doc as the dark horse and he responded with the hashtag, but he is not going to adopt that. Um, let's get to the pronunciation of the week, though, if we could. So this man will fight Mark Jacasey in Columbus, Ohio. Nicknamed Slava Claus got a knockout courtesy of a body kick in his UFC debut. Cody, of whom am I speaking? Well, it's a great nickname, but I believe you're speaking of Vyacheslav Borshev. It's not Vyacheslav. Um, I don't believe so, unless I'm going to be doing some revoicing at the end of the podcast here. But let's hear him uh, say it. Vyacheslav Borshev. Vyacheslav Borshev. Wow. Vyacheslav Borshev. Is that what you're hearing, Ken Flo? Vyacheslav yes. Barshov. So, I appreciate the effort on the though. No, that was good. Yeah, I like right. that. Yeah, yeah. That was nice. He yeah, wasn't even bar mitzvah that Cody, and he yeah. can still. Uh, <laughs> but the last I was on name. The way in, I'd pass. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so <laughs> the uh, the the surname is spelled Borchev, but it's pronounced Barshov. So we'll see if uh, the huh. producers request a revoice. But my phonetics say Vicheslav Barshov. Uh, Man, this is going to be a tough on. one this weekend. And that's actually a tricky one because Jacasey and Vicheslav Barshov together, even though Jacasey is now committed to memory, it does start with a D, but a J sound. So, uh, well, yeah. Dana Batgari, you know, um, right. it, it, is it, isn't it David Dvorak, not David Dvorak? Like, I think a I couple... went David. Come on, man. I'm just saying. David? Like Barbar- no David. You gave me Barbarina once before because it's a Barbarina, you know, like. This yeah. is a tough card, John. Good luck to you this weekend. And even Luis Saldana. Uh, it's not Saldana. Um, and yeah, shout out to all the guys we didn't get to. Paul Craig and Jack Shore and all the big winners from UFC London. What a main card and what an event start to finish for the MMA leader. Uh, it, of course, continues this weekend. It is UFC Fight Night Blades versus Dawkins, Columbus, Ohio, Nationwide Arena. Wall to wall on ESPN. You don't need the application. 
that ESPN Plus thing. It is on ESPN if you still have linear cable. AnnaFlorianPodcast.com for your merchandise. If you want the One More Sleep merch, it is at millions.co. And don't forget your jujitsu essentials. Cannot recommend it enough at KennyFlorianMartialArts.com. Thank you to our guests, Ray Longo, Brian Petrie. Our producer is Cody Merrill. We will talk to you next week. We'll see if Chris Dawkins can live up to the Dark Horse moniker and come through as an underdog against Curtis Blades. And then, of course, UFC 273 beckons in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening and for watching. Tell your friends. We'll talk to you in less than a week. Until then, go later. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.